You are listening to Books Are My People, a bi-weekly podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode 20. Hello, I'm recording a little bit later in the day today because my Roomba was vacuuming the house. That's about as productive as I've been. Cleaning my house is pressing the on switch on the Roomba. I am recording on Friday, April 3rd. How is everyone doing out there? I hope you are all feeling healthy. It has been quite a two weeks over here. Did I have coronavirus? Well, my COVID test came out negative, thankfully. However, seeing as how there have been many false negative tests out there, uh, I'm pretty convinced that I think I had it. I'm currently on day 14 and finally starting to feel like myself again uh, very quickly. And feel free to email me at booksaremypeople at gmail.com if you have any questions about my own experience. But I came down with a sudden fever and it never really got higher than 100.7. I had the dry cough, I had the chest tightness, um, but I also have asthma. So it was hard to kind of parse out where the tightness was coming from. I took lots of Tylenol. I used my albuterol inhaler a lot. I'm still using that a lot. My doctor put me on an antibiotic in case it was a bacterial infection. Um, But he also said that antibiotics would help inflammation if in fact it was coronavirus. Anyhow, because of my asthma, I qualified for the government testing. So I did that drive-through self-swab test in the car here in LA. Uh, And on day six, I developed a host of gastrointestinal issues that I won't get into here, but it was not fun. I think the weirdest part about this whole experience is what a roller coaster the whole illness has been. Like one minute, I really felt like I was feeling fine and getting better. And then five minutes later, I felt like I was slammed and had to lie down and go to bed for four hours. So for the safety of my family, I did self-quarantine in my room, and at one very sad low point, my 11-year-old, who was very frustrated that we couldn't hang out, gave me a ball of yarn, and he took the other end to his room, and he'd tug on it from his bed, and then I'd tug back, and that is how we would communicate at bedtime. Anyhow... On the last episode of Books Are My People, I was complaining that I had had no time to watch any TV, but now I can safely say, after two weeks in bed, I have watched all the TV. Tiger King, watched it. Unorthodox, watched it. Friends from College, seasons one and two, watched them. And of course, I read, but not too much, so I don't have a ton of books to share with you today just three. I also knit my dog a sweater, which was one of the few activities I could do from my sick bed. And I will post a photo on Instagram as soon as I can get her into it, which might be never. My kids are officially on spring break now. So we're trying to fill our time with board games and Legos and puzzles. Oh, and I got them some game. I can, I think it was called Epic Epic Quest. I don't know. I read about it somewhere. I got them this game thinking I was doing them a big favor. I literally spent almost two hours 
looking at YouTube videos, instructional videos on how to play the game. It was the most complicated, convoluted game ever. We finally played last night after <laughs> hours of studying the game and it lasted about two hours. It was fine. We got through it. And as we were cleaning it up, my 14 year old aptly said, well, that's the last time we're playing that game. Before I get to the books, here is some bookish news. So according to the LA Times, since the publishing world is not considered an essential business, they are all on hiatus. However, not surprisingly, ebooks and audiobooks are selling like hotcakes. Amazon has already deemed books a bit lower on their priority list, so it is taking a while for books to be delivered, but this is really the time to support your favorite independent bookstore and order from them in order to help keep them afloat. I ordered a few books from Diesel, which is my local bookstore, last week, and within two days I had a few new books to read. So we're all keeping our fingers crossed that book distributors are able to stay open and functioning during this time. And I just keep thinking about all of the authors with books coming out who had book tours scheduled and all of their plans for promotion. According to the BBC, fiction sales have risen by a third and children's book sales have gone up a whopping 234%. Dolly Parton is reading bedtime stories every night. I will include a link in the show notes. How fun is that? This is a 10-week program called Good Night with Dolly. Some of the books she will be reading include The Little Engine That Could and Llama Llama Red Pajama. The first one was on April 2nd, and it will continue to air at 7 p.m. Eastern. You can catch it on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Little free libraries around the country are being repurposed to help people through the coronavirus. We have a lot of those little free libraries in my neighborhood. They're the ones that look like oversized mailboxes, and they're full of books to borrow, although some around here are quite empty oftentimes. Um, but I do enjoy sending my own overflow books to various little libraries when I'm out for a walk. So some people have been repurposing their libraries into things like pantries, stocking them with canned goods and other non-perishables for neighbors to enjoy. And I thought that was so nice. Other free little library owners are stocking theirs with cleaning supplies and toilet paper. Greg Metzger, the Little Free Library's executive director, is even offering helpful tips for converting the book boxes into pantries, and I will link to that in the show notes. In my last little bit of news, Time Magazine mentioned 10 virtual book clubs that you can join right now, so that might be something for you if you are craving a little personal human-to-book connection. Uh, one of the clubs is called Tolstoy Together. Another is called DC Reads. Another is called the Quarantine Book Club. But I will put a link in the show notes to that article and you can see if you'd like to join any of them. So as I mentioned, because I've been so sick, I really have not been able to keep up my usual reading pace. But I'm going to share three books this week. And I'm going to start with my favorite. I so needed this book this week. 
My first pick is Separation Anxiety by Laura Zygman. So this is not normally the kind of book I pick up. It looked, I'm trying to come up with a nice way to say it, it looked super cheesy for me, just the cover, which you should not judge a book by its cover, but I did judge it. But I'd heard good things, and after a friend read it and recommended it, she dropped it off at my doorstep, and I started it, and I absolutely adored it. It is about Judy Vogel. She's a middle-aged writer who has a 13-year-old son and a husband who's kind of a pothead and a bit directionless. They're sort of, all three of them are a little bit directionless. Um, But Judy feels like she's drifting away from both her son, um, who's, you know, growing older, he's a teenager now, and she feels very nostalgic about how fleeting his childhood was. Even though she's still married to her husband, they are pretty much negotiating a separation, but for economic reasons, uh, they're still living together in the same house. Judy has had some great success as a children's writer. Her book, There's a Bird on Your Head, was turned into a TV show, but she hasn't written anything new in a while, and she's suffering from writer's block. So the whole setup is there's definitely a chasm in her life, and she decides to fill the void by coming to the realization one day that she should, of course, be wearing her 20-pound dog in an old baby sling. So she puts the dog in the sling, and she suddenly feels comforted by the dog, who kind of acts like a support dog, it gives Judy purpose, and the dog doesn't seem much to mind. So she starts living her life every day, wearing the dog everywhere, to the supermarket, to her son's school pickup. Because of their economic situation, the couple is late on their son's school tuition payment, and they've been offered a chance at reduced tuition if they house people puppets. So these are actual people in animal costumes who are visiting the school as school performers. So Judy's husband, Gary, has to move out of the guest room where he's been sleeping and back into the bedroom with Judy in order to make room for the people puppets they've decided to house. So this book made me laugh out loud, even through the asthma. Uh, It's absurd, it's a little wacky, but behind all of that, there's some real emotion about growing up and growing older and growing apart and watching your kids grow up. There's a lot of mourning happening in the book. Judy mourns her life as a mother of a young child. She mourns her marriage that's fallen apart. She mourns her parents who have both passed away and her friend who's dying of cancer. I know I'm making it sound really sad, but it is so funny. Um, And books that can make me laugh and cry are just my favorite kind of books. And this was pitch perfect, exactly that. And again, that was Separation Anxiety by Laura Zygman. So my next book I bought for my 11-year-old who expressed an interest in learning about Charles Lindbergh. So I researched and I got him this newish book and he read a few pages and decided it wasn't for him. So he gave it to me and I read it instead. It is called The Rise and Fall of Charles Lindbergh by Steve Schenken. This is a biography, and it says it's written for ages 12 and up, but it really doesn't feel like a young adult book. It just feels like a well-written and interesting biography. It starts with Lindbergh's grandfather in a very dramatic fashion who cuts his arm off in a sawmill, 
And that incident kind of became a part of the family folklore about how Lindbergh came from really tough stock. And this idea that the Lindberghs were genetically more advanced and developed than other people in being able to survive something like this would, of course, be a through thread to his later obsession with eugenics. The book takes us through to little Charles's birth, and I was surprised to learn that he had a dog named Dingo because we have a dog named Dingo, but I think that's all we have in common. We learn about Charles's constant quest for knowledge. He was just a very curious boy. He was always asking questions about the world around him. He was a mediocre student. He had an obsession with aviation and at 25, of course, flew alone from New York to Paris, which made him very famous very quickly. He didn't embrace his popularity. He was kind of a socially awkward guy. He didn't like the attention. We learn about his marriage and his own son, who was famously kidnapped as a baby, and then his deep dive into the ideology of white supremacy and his time in Nazi Germany, often echoing anti-Semitic Nazi talking points. He trailblazed the America First movement at the start of World War II, which a lot of that rhetoric sounded very familiar to today's politics, And he held rallies full of Nazi sympathizers lobbying to close the borders to quote-unquote alien blood. There's a lot to digest in this book and a lot to learn and a lot to wrestle with. And next up, I am going to watch The Plot Against America, which is about Lindbergh on HBO. Has anyone else seen it? And again, that is The Rise and Fall of Charles Lindbergh by Steve Schenken. My final pick this week is an odd little book called Temporary by Hilary Lecter, put out by Coffeehouse Press. And if you are familiar with that press, you know they put out incredible books. In this book, we follow an unnamed protagonist as she ambles through 23 jobs as a permanent temp. I'm going to read you this quote from the book because I think it's a good example. So here it is. I have a shorthand kind of career, short tasks, short stays, short skirts. My temp agency is an uptown pleasure dome of power-scented women in sensible shoes. As is customary, I place my employment in their manicured hands. With trusty carpal alchemy, they knead my resume into a series of paychecks that constitute a life. So this is not a super plotty novel, even though she does go through 23 different jobs, but it's more of a deep and interesting character study. She questions what permanence must feel like. She kind of idolizes it since her life is the antithesis of that. She takes any job that comes her way. Um, She files papers. She is a window washer, she delivers mail, she fills in as a mannequin in a department store where someone kind of directs her how to stand still like a mannequin. She directs traffic. So this is a novel more in snippets and scenarios. And I totally get that this presentation is not for everyone. It feels like it's on the verge of being experimental, um, but not spilling over into 
that territory. Uh, It's funny, it's absurd, it's clever, and it's essentially about a woman trying to find her place when she refuses to be permanently placed. And again, that is Temporary by Hilary Leichter. So sorry for the shorter program this week. Um, Hopefully I will get a little more reading in now that I'm feeling better. Uh, Next up for me, I will be reading The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel. And please reach out at booksaremypeople at gmail.com if you want to say hi or recommend a book or recommend a TV show or recommend something for me to do with my kids on their two-week spring break or anything at all. I'm here. I'll be back in 14 days, and I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week. Stay healthy. Stay healthy.